Thanks for listening to the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. It is the absolute craziest day in college basketball. We dive into that and so much more. Want to let you know that you got to check out the latest lines of the world of sports at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Bet Rivers is the trusted name in online sports betting. Must be 21, must be present in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, and Pennsylvania to play. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Those that bet on Michigan today were probably feeling pretty good about, I don't know, midway through the second half. The Wolverines, Aaron, were up 17 on Indiana with less than 13 minutes to go in the contest. But lo and behold, the Hoosiers come all the way back and win in the Big Ten tournament in their second-round matchup. Hoosiers advance 74-69. to Both teams with aspirations of making, to the, making it to the NCAA tournament. Indiana really helped their cause. Michigan really kind of hurt their cause today with that loss. Yeah, Dan, I would just say in the bigger picture, uh, first of all, thank you for, for having me today. I mean, you know, no Doug's need to thank. Doing, we love having D- you. Doug's doing listen, I know you went to bat for me with the bosses. It's okay. You don't have to you don't have to sugarcoat it. But no, uh, you know, I know Doug's off doing doing Doug things, but you know, Indiana, by the way, just one of several, several, several teams today that massive comebacks, massive wins. Uh, you know, uh, Fenley mentioned off the top TCU's comeback. Texas A&M actually had a big lead, lost it, and then won against Florida. So just a fun day overall of college hoops. I'm so excited to be joining you. And obviously, as it pertains to whatever bracket we're going to be filling out Saturday, no bigger win, no bigger result so far here at about 3 p.m. Eastern than that Indiana victory over Michigan. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. By the way, when the selection show takes place on Sunday, it'll be Aaron Torres and myself mm. bringing you the brackets live. Our show will start at 5 o'clock Eastern. The brackets will be released at 6 o'clock Eastern time on Sunday. A full selection show special, so you will want to join us for that. I want to say I really appreciate the NCAA uh, giving us an hour to get America ready for that bracket <laughs> reveal. You know, I mean, it really is convenient. It works out well. I'm excited. I'm excited as heck to be joining you. But, you know, just very thoughtful of the NCAA. They get a lot of criticism. But we all know that America is going to be tuning into the two of us. So to give us an hour to really just get America fired up. Uh, so thank you to the NCAA on that one. The Indiana win today was big on a lot of levels because it could help the Hoosiers get into the NCAA tournament, a place where they've been teetering uh, for a while. But Aaron's obviously active on social media. You can get him on Twitter at Aaron underscore Torres. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Byer on Fox. And Aaron has loved to give his opinions about the Indiana basketball program. I grew up in Big Ten country. Indiana basketball uh, means something different to me than it may be to you, the listener. It may mean something different to someone who was born and raised in the Hoosier State. But there is no doubt about it that when you're talking about brands in basketball, that Indiana is one of the biggest brands out there, Aaron. And it's funny to me to see on how that brand maybe isn't looked at as big of a brand by a certain generation. And that's why I think this this game today for Indiana, 
makes us take a step back and look at a lot of things. Like I remember 87 and Keith Smart hitting the shot to, to beat Syracuse. That was a long, long time ago. It was 35 years ago. But I also remember Indiana being a strong program throughout the, uh, the early 1990s, them going to their Cinderella run of a title game in 2002. But when we talk about generations – it reminds me a little of how we view Notre Dame. And I'm not saying that it's a parallel. Because Notre Dame I think, football. Yeah, Notre Dame football. Yep. That Notre Dame football has actually had more success than Indiana basketball has had. But I think that there are, there are parallels when you're trying to convince someone or to tell someone that, hey, this program back in the day was the real deal. And that when you see Indiana right now just fighting to make it into the tournament just makes me realize is there's a there's a whole generation that I don't think realizes how big of a, a deal basketball is for Indiana fans if you don't live in the state of Indiana. Zero doubt. And it's funny because I'm now in my mid-30s and even I struggle to really remember the glory days of Indiana. I mean, I remember the final few years of the Bobby Knight era, but uh, I could be mistaken outside that that kind of, as you said, Cinderella 2002 run. I believe the last final four for Bobby Knight was like 93, 94, somewhere in that range. And you forget like like you forget that. It is, it, I'm looking right now, 92, 92. I yeah. guess. Wow, I didn't realize it was even quite back that far. And so I only bring it up because I do think that, uh, you know, there is a whole generation of people that Indiana is just another program to them. And and because I'm a little bit of a historian of the sport, I read everything, I watch every documentary, obviously. Uh, ESPN did a great Indiana documentary a few years ago. Season on the Brink remains one of the, the kind of iconic sports books that's ever been written. Um, you know, I know a little bit more about it, but I know it almost as an observer of history. Like, I'm mm-hmm. basically, it's like me reading about Babe Ruth, reading about uh, Indiana basketball. And so it, it's so fascinating because I, I, I just think about how programs evolve in this sport, college football as well, right? I mean, you know, you mentioned Notre Dame. Think about the fact that, say, in Oregon or I don't know, I can't think of anybody else clever off the top of my head, Auburn, teams like that, really when, it talk, when you talk about national championships, that national stage have much more kind of quote-unquote relevance with the younger uh, demographic than, say, uh, a Notre Dame football does, and it's kind of the same in college basketball. There's this little school in Spokane, Washington right now called Gonzaga that you know is kind of the model that a lot of programs strive to be after, and I think obviously if it, you know one if i had if i had told young dan buyer in 1990 that 30 years from now we're going to be talking about gonzaga you'd say who the heck is gonzaga <laughs> one and two they're basically doing what indiana does now so it's just crazy to think about the evolution of some programs in college basketball and indiana is definitely an interesting one they pick up the big win today but they're just the one that there's really no real reason why they should be as bad as they are great recruiting base the school still supports them no real ncaa issues I mean, dating back for about 10 years, 15 years, whatever. So they're just a really interesting team and program in terms of, um, you know, there are a lot of people now that officially do not remember Indiana being Indiana the way that you do. And now it'll be interesting to see if maybe this is the start potentially of something where they start to get back into that conversation. And it's it's not to compare Indiana to Notre Dame, Indiana basketball to Notre Dame football and their accomplishments. Again, it's 
Notre Dame in the last decade has gone to a national championship game. They've gone to the college football playoff, you know, uh, multiple times. So there, there's there is success there. But we sit there and we criticize Notre Dame's football program, and 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 it's crazy to say. And, and I, I don't mean this, but there are people who will say Notre Dame's irrelevant now. This is a Alabama, Clemson, you know, Ohio State world that we're that we're dealing with. Like that is not true. But we sit there and we actually pick apart Notre Dame and the the success or the maybe the the lack of national championships. Now Brian Kelly leaves, so Notre Dame is is painted in this picture of like a program that was a has been. And you have, you've taken the Twitter, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, Aaron, but I tried to think of a program in college basketball that had the lack of success that Indiana has had, yet combined with the fervor and dedication and diehardness of a fan base, and I can't find one. Like, I, I mean, you know, like you look maybe down the road in Louisville, but heck, they had a national championship taken away in 2013, but there's a national championship. At least that was won that year. And to your point about the drought in Indiana, I mean, I don't even, I don't even know if it's, I don't even know if it's close when you take programs and combine them with how much it means to, to those people and the lack of success. Maybe the Cleveland Browns is the best way to put it like for, or for, for, for what has, you know, for what that team means to those people in that area and the success that they've actually given, maybe that's more of an apropos. But I tried to I tried to find another team that I could give you a comp to what you're saying, and I couldn't even come up with one that's close. Well, and it's because of exactly what you said. I mean, we joke about, say, Notre Dame football, and listen, are, are they a level below Alabama? Yeah, guess what? Everybody is. Okay, big deal. Like, like next, you know, next topic, like when you talk about the most successful program, say, of the last four or five years, Notre Dame is in the top five, right? And so Indiana is the exact opposite, where, again, they've, they've changed coaches, they've changed athletic directors, they've changed whatever, and it just, it just does not work. And that's that's why I actually, to your point, feel bad for them because there is a whole generation that makes you that 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 does remember that. And whether it was the previous coach, the coach before that, whatever, every time, every four or five years, where they bring in a new coach, they start to think, okay, this is the guy that's going to do it, and it never works out. And I do think, actually, uh, Dan, you know, it's a great point by you because some programs really think that they're ready to compete at the highest level, but they're really not, right? Like like even USC football, for example, up until this year, uh, they were trying to get by with a B-minus coach. They're not really paying. They're, the facilities aren't great. The recruiting uh, infrastructure isn't great, whatever. And then they realize, okay, to get a Lincoln rally, this is the XYZ thing we have to do. Indiana is not one of those programs that realizes how far down the pecking order it is and has to adjust accordingly. Like, like this is a fan base that just wants to win so bad. I mean, I go back to when this job opened up almost exactly a year ago. I think it was about a year ago next week, is that if you just go back to that time, there was a report that they offered Brad Stevens like $80 million or something like that to come. And, and obviously at that point he was in the NBA. I don't think he wanted to coach at that point. But I bring it up to say there are certain programs that think that they're ready to compete at the highest level but aren't. Indiana absolutely is. And they're trying everything. It's just nothing's working. And it speaks to what you said a minute ago about just the changing landscape of college sports where a program like this could basically be irrelevant for 30-plus years at this point. Not I, irrelevant, I think- but you, you know what I mean, yeah. No, but I think Indiana played a role, and if we're going to use the college football parallel for for how a lot of people view Alabama right now, um, 
I, I think people viewed Indiana like that sure. 30 years ago. I mean, you want to talk about passionate fan base. I, I'll tell a story. 1993, so this was the year after they uh, went to the Final Four where they lost to Duke, and apparently that was when Coach K and Bob Knight's relationship really kind of started to hit the skids before they've reconciled recently. But 1993, I was a sophomore in high school, and me and a group of my uh, friends uh, went to the NCAA tournament first and second round games in Indianapolis. And this was at the old Hoosier Dome. Indiana was the number one seed. Calbert Chaney, Greg Graham, Damon Bailey. Like, they were they were loaded. They had a, they had a team. And Indiana runs out on the floor. And they, it's 35,000 Hoosier fans. It's, you know, a backyard game for them in Indianapolis. And Hoosiers run out on the floor. And there is, you know, standing ovation. Everybody's, you know, cheering, having a good time. And then Bob Knight walks out. And you want to talk about taking it to another level. I shouldn't even have said it was a standing ovation for the team. I think people were just cheering. But when Bob Knight came out, like it rose to, to they rose to their feet. 35,000 for a first round game. I believe it was against Wright State. I think they ended mm. up, they played in that game. But it was, it was just, it was, it was, it was my introduction. I never liked Indiana because they were always a rival of the, of the Buckeyes and Ohio State was good back then. But I don't think anybody liked Indiana because I didn't think you liked Bob Knight. And I don't know if people really like Alabama right now. You can maybe respect what Nick Saban's done, but the success, but they were that villain. Like they, they were that villain in college basketball that I think a lot of people were like, I don't like Indiana. Like you loved them or hated them. And that's just not there anymore. But that's how I, th- I like I felt at one point, like Indiana in the late 80s and the early 90s. And, you know, maybe even before that, that I can't even comment on. But I felt that they had that villain role. Duke didn't have that villain role. Duke was losing in Final Fours every year sure. before they actually broke through in 1991. So it was Indiana who, to me, kind of had that villain role during that time. Kind of the same as as Alabama did now, because one of the great things about Alabama, Aaron, is not only are they great, but their fans can be annoying as well. And and that's what you got with Indiana, just because they were such diehards. And I think that's it's a, it's a, it's a a way to mirror what we see now to what Indiana was back then. Well, well, two quick thoughts here. Um, one is that first of all, I do think it's it speaks to another segment that we probably won't do today. But you kind of mentioned not you, but just the proverbial you mentions um, kind of their national relevance and all that stuff. But I also think there's a younger generation, probably about my age and younger, that doesn't realize how, how great of a coach Bob Knight was. They only remember the crazy guy at the end that's kicking stuff and punching players, and I'm not making light of all that stuff. And then he was kind of a grouchy announcer, and you're like, why are they putting this guy on TV? He's angry. And, and it's like – and 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 I just think that there's a whole – I think anybody under 35 really doesn't realize how great this guy was at his absolute best as an actual basketball coach. They just think of him as kind of this angry guy, all that stuff. But I would also say I think the parallel with Alabama – uh, works as well. I remember actually filling in in uh, filling in during this shift during the college football playoff with Jason Martin, and it was shortly after Alabama clinched the win over Cincinnati to advance to whatever it was, you know, twelfth national championship mm-hmm. game in thirteen years, whatever I don't know, ninth in thirteen years, something like that. And we had SEC fans tweeting in like. I, I'm so tired of this guy, but I also respect him because I know that once this guy leaves, we'll never see anything like him again. I don't know if that's exactly a parallel with Bob Knight, but I do think there's some of that with Alabama now where the winning is exhausted. You want to see somebody like a Georgia rise up and beat him, but at the same time, you also sit there and say, you know what? This Nick Saban guy drives me crazy, but we're never going to see anybody like him again, so we might as well enjoy him while we have. 
Indiana rallying again from that 17-point deficit, really trying to increase their chances of making it to the big dance. So the Hoosiers move on while Michigan now has to bite their fingernails and wait. He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Byer. This is the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. As we are sitting in for Doug, you can always listen live, if not on your local station, on the iHeartRadio app or also at foxsportsradio.com. It's been an absolute crazy week in the National Football League. How has that changed what's going to happen in late April in the the NFL draft. We dive into that and more next year on Fox Sports Radio. Spring training as soon as tomorrow and an opening day expected to be April 7th. So we have a deal. Jeff Passon, wow. the first to report this. And, you know, he was hacked earlier. This was a tweet from him that wasn't hacked. We're playing baseball. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have a lot more on what's a crazy day in college basketball, but you just heard it there. Breaking news in agreement. Baseball is back. We hope to uh, dive into this and so much more. Just an absolute crazy day in the world of sports. Again, Brian going to have more for us of what's happening on the hardwood and in addition what's happening in Major Major League Baseball in about 10 minutes or so. Real credit card questions require real people, someone who understands your issues and works to resolve them with you. That's why Discover offers helpful U.S.-based representatives available 24-7. Discover exceptionally common sense. He is Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Beyer. Anthony Trash is Pro Football Focus's lead college analyst, and he joins us now on the program. Hey, Anthony, good to talk to you again. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Amazing, because College Hoops is is amazing right now. Baseball is back. And it's been the absolute craziest week in the NFL that that I can remember. I'm curious from your uh, aspect on not only what's happened with the trades, but what's happening following the combine, what's happening with franchise tags. How much did the NFL draft shake up for what's transpired over the last seven days? Yeah, I mean, first off, great day to be a sports fan. No doubt about that. Uh, it's been exciting. I mean, last few days, and definitely today. But, you know, as far as the NFL goes, it's I can kind of sense a little bit of panic, right? We're seeing that with the quarterback front. Um, it's definitely going to have massive ramifications um, in the 2022 NFL draft, I mean, specifically with the quarterback picture, right? I mean, you know, a month ago, it looked like a real possibility we could see five of those quarterbacks going round one, even though it's not an exciting class, but a lot of people were kind of needy at the position, but you're starting to see some of these teams opt for the veteran market, right? You're looking at Washington. They go get Carson Wentz. We're hearing rumors that Mitchell Trubisky is going to be way overpaid. Um, And it's just kind of interesting to see. And of course, Denver, you know, giving up the bag there for Russell Wilson um, from the Seattle Seahawks. It'll be interesting to see what kind of direction they go into. Um, And of course, with the new updates with Deshaun Watson and, you know, the possibility of some team um, being willing enough um, to trade for him. Um, you know, th- there's a lot going on, you know, and it, that's just the quarterback conversation, right? I mean, you're seeing a lot of movement across positions there. Um, you know, some big veterans entering the market as well. Of course, Bobby Wagner, the off-ball linebacker, the, the future Hall of Famer from Seattle with all interest from pretty much almost every single team in the league. And now we're hearing the Dallas Cowboys shopping tackle, Lael Collins, who is still a very good tackle, and he's going to have a really robust market. Um, and so it's just going to be interesting, interesting to see. And, you know, I mean, if you wrote a mock draft this past week that published on Monday, you might as well just throw it out the window because it's completely <laughs> different now, and it's going to be completely different a week from now. So it's going to be hard to see, you know, where the and kind of project what the NFL draft, the first round is going to look like, really, you know, until the next few weeks are kind of cleared out. 
Anthony, uh, obviously when the Rams won the Super Bowl, there's a lot of buzz about how they went about building their, their franchise, trading draft picks, win now, get superstars, get established guys. What was the buzz around combine time or your sources within the league about, um, is this replicable, right? Because I think it's easy to say, oh, everybody should do this, but there's only so many Jalen Ramseys and Odell Beckhams and Vaughn Millers to go around. So uh, is this something that teams that feel like they're a piece two away are going to look more aggressively to move draft picks for, or was this kind of a flash in the pan uh, with the Los Angeles Rams over the last couple months? Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, I think we're going to continue to see this become a little bit more normalized just because before, I mean, that was something that, you know, a lot of people weren't fans of, you know, you know, mortgaging the future to kind of invest in one quarterback and thinking that you are one quarterback away to win the Super Bowl. And, you know, the Los Angeles Rams, they did that. I mean, even before, you know, we heard from Peter Schrager, you know, he was on the Pat McAfee show this morning and he said the Indianapolis Colts, I mean, they were in on Matthew Stafford. I mean, he was, Matthew Stafford was prepared to be an Indianapolis Colt. I mean, that was a real thing. But at the end of the day, Los Angeles just came in and offered much, much more than Indianapolis Colts were willing to offer. You know, that just goes to show not a lot of teams are, you know, they're, they're willing to put, you know, maybe their foot in the water, but they're not ready to jump in the pool. But now we're starting to see more teams kind of jump in that pool. Like we just saw with the Denver Broncos and Russell Wilson. I mean, that was a move that, you know, I mean, granted, I think if I'm Seattle, I'm asking for a lot more than they gave up. But to them, that was the Kings ransom. But, I mean, that's a whole other topic of conversation. Um, but we're starting to see teams just kind of continuously throw darts. And I think Chris Ballard, the Colts GM, He's starting to kind of come around, and he's had a lot of interesting public quotes, I would say, in the last few months, and, you know, just kind of after the Carson Wentz experiment. You know, you've got to keep throwing darts at the position. And, you know, for that team, I fully expect him to go and get another veteran quarterback, or, you know, possibly Jimmy Garoppolo. That's my prediction as of right now. And I would still expect him to take a quarterback in the 2022 NFL draft and keep throwing those darts. So I do think that, you know, with the way the game's kind of, you know, trending, I do think it's become it's going to become more normalized. You know, to kind of, you know, asset, you know, to trade all these assets away for these quarterbacks that you think can get you to that next level. And, you know, you look at Washington, they did it with Carson Wentz. I mean, they wanted Aaron Rodgers. That was never going to happen. They wanted, you know, Russell Wilson. He did not want to go there. They wanted Deshaun Watson, but of course, with their situation, they, they, they can't, they couldn't afford to do that, you know, especially with all the ongoing issues behind the scenes with that franchise. They just could not do that move. With Carson Wentz, they believe they can kind of get to the playoff pump and, you know, I think they're a little bit more confident in him than I am. You know, I do think that they're a slightly better team with Carson Winston, with Taylor Heineke, but at the end of the day, he's just not going to be that Super Bowl winning quarterback for them. But they went out there and they made the move, trade a couple of day two picks for him. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, going back to the original question, I think this is going to become a more normal thing. I think every offseason, you know, maybe almost every offseason, we're going to hear these rumors with these veteran quarterbacks and we're going to see, you know, more and more that one guy's just not going to stick with one team throughout the duration of his entire career. Anthony Tresh, Pro Football Focus, joining us here on Fox Sports Radio. It's the Doug Gottlieb Show. He's here in Torres. I'm Dan Beyer. Does Russell Wilson solve everything now uh, for the Denver Broncos? Well, I don't know if he solves everything. I, they definitely have some needs on defense, but I will say that they, Denver definitely goes from pretenders to contenders. There's no doubt about that. I mean, looking at the roster last year, I mean, heading into the season, that was one of the best rosters in the NFL, taking the quarterback out of the conversation. problem is – quarterback's the most important piece on the field and by far the most valuable. And that's why you have to see Von Miller, you know, request a trade and get traded out to LA to win a Super Bowl. 
Um, you know, and hopefully if he can come back for Denver's sake, I think that would be a massive addition there and get some cornerbacks in there as well. I mean, they're still going to be running the same type of system, maybe retain Bryce Callahan. Um, they may get Darius Williams from the Los Angeles Rams as well. And their defense coordinator coming over from the Los Angeles Rams. So definitely some pieces, I think, on defense that need to be cleaned up. But that offense there, I mean, like I said, that's a Super Bowl caliber offense. And, you know, I, I was so ecstatic to hear of this trade. For my, for my guy Jerry Judy, because that was one of my favorite players in the draft a couple of years ago. Um, and he's just been absolutely plagued with quarterback holding completions. I mean, he's doing his job the, the way it needs to be done, but he's just getting thrown inaccurate passes that he can't do anything about. Um, and now they actually have a quarterback that can you know, effectively throw the ball downfield, make the right decisions, and throw the ball accurately. That's something they haven't had in, in years, you know, dating back to you know, Peyton Manning, you know, before his last season when he kind of dipped off there considerably. Um, and so this is going to be, I think, game-changing for this franchise. It's going to make the AFC West a very exciting division, um, of course, with Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and the Los Angeles Chargers. And, again, I, I think I would not rule out the Las Vegas Raiders kind of, you know, knocking off one of these teams in an upset. I don't think Las, Las Vegas is going to go – 0 for, 0 for 6 in the division, I think they're going to be competitive in some of these games, and it's going to make for a very highly competitive division and, you know, ultimately a very, you know, I would say pivotal in the way the playoff picture and the playoff feeding um, kind of shakes out. So, you know, Denver, I, I think they go into Super Bowl consistent status now with this Russell Wilson addition. Um, does he fix everything? Nobody fixed. I would say he fixes just about everything. Last one for me, Anthony. Obviously, combine done. Um who is the number one pick in the draft? Because obviously there, there isn't the consensus guy this year. Uh, the, we know the Lions are you know unofficially on the clock. But it, it has a consensus guy emerged? Do you think somebody will? Who is going to be the number one pick in, in the draft when, when we uh, meet in Vegas in a few weeks? Yeah, I'm pretty confidently going to say Aiden Hutchinson. And definitely after the Jacksonville Jaguars put the franchise tag on Cam Robinson, I think that almost, almost solidifies it. Um, you know, I definitely wouldn't have done the franchise tag on Cam Robinson, but – I was always in the Aiden Hutchinson camp. I do know they view Evan Neal and Icky Aquanu, um, the two offensive tackles that were kind of battling for the number one spot. They're almost equal. I mean, they both figured them as elite prospects, but Aiden Hutchinson's just a, a safe, uh, you know, high projection to the next level. And I think he's going to be a huge difference maker for that defense. And, and, you know, I guess interesting there with that number two overall pick because I do think Detroit really wanted Aiden Hutchinson. And now, I mean, even too, I heard some things. Maybe Malik Willis could be the number two guy. Um, you know, they're not ruling it out. He's not completely off the board with that second overall pick, but they could go other options, possibly trade out of it. So I think Aiden Hutchinson goes number one overall. That's what I would do. And I think because he goes number one overall, it's going to be, it's going to shake up some things in the top five and make things a little bit more difficult for some of those teams. Read them on Pro Football Focus. Find them on Twitter at PFF underscore Anthony, Anthony Trash. Anthony, we appreciate it. And we know we'll be talking to you again very soon in the next month and a half. Looking forward to it, man. Thanks. Yeah, likewise. Thank you, guys. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. It is the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Beyer. If Fenley's there, what is our Discover Card Key matchup tonight? What is the what is the game that we are looking at? Yes, the game would be, Dan, the Brooklyn Nets against the Philadelphia 76ers. <laughs> That's going to be a great ball game. It is going to be. Who cares what's happening on the floor? <laughs> yes. It's all going to be what's happening to Ben Simmons as he sits on the uh, Sixers bench tonight. Uh, that should be uh, absolutely 
crazy. Um, and if you have children around, I'd have the game on mute so they can't hear the chant <laughs> from the crowd. Brian, I've got more good news for you. Yes, let's hear You've it. You've got so much going on with the lockout ending with all these college basketball games. Don't worry about the Mountain West Conference scores, okay? Because John Ramos is our Mountain West Ooh. insider. John, what is this? Like the the fifth straight oh. year that you've 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 locked in on the Mountain West Conference? It, yes, it just gets better every year. I do it. It gets more intense, it, more involved, and I I'm, I'm I'm glad to do it here on Fox Sports Radio every it, it, year. And Aaron's a basketball insider, right? Uh, Aaron, what is what is the buzz about John Ramos and 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 his information and what he provides for the Mountain West? What 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 do those uh, you know in the know say about John's work with the Mountain West Conference? Really, when you think Mountain West basketball, you think three things: you think the actual Rocky Mountains, yep; you think the 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 Mountain Time Zone because nobody really is in the Mountain Time Zone except for the Mountain West. There's like a sliver of of the country that uh, is in the Mountain Time Zone, and then you think John Ramos. You think John Ramos and his coverage, his diligent coverage, the stories that he has broken on Colorado State and Boise through the years. Um, you know, really, uh, you know, Peabody's, Marconi's, um, yeah. you know, He's uh, the Nobel source. Prizes. Yeah, like I, I just, I I mean, you know, when, when he won that Nobel Prize for his coverage of, of New <laughs> yeah. Mexico basketball yeah. a few years ago, I mean, it was just, it blew my mind, and, and it was obviously a great moment for all of us at Fox Sports Radio. And, and John, what do you have uh, for us from the latest from the Mountain West Conference tournament? Well, it's the quarterfinals right now, and you guys remember Steve Alford, right? He's coaching at Nevada now. Yeah. 13 and 17 right now is their their uh, their league schedule, whatever they their overall schedule. But they are only record, down to yeah their it. record yeah. yeah they are only down to Boise State 31 28. So wow. they're keeping it close because Boise State's the number one team in this Mountain West Conference mm-hmm. tournament, and they're close. And that's yeah. all you can ask for at this at this point of the game, right? So yes, I, I will say yes. Steve Alford, the most uh, advantageous contract ever, ten year fully mm. guaranteed contract. He's in year three, so seven more years of Steve Alford. I know we got to probably talk a little baseball, but uh, but don't want to undersell the probably literally the worst contract in all of sports right now. Guys, four thirty two left to go in that first half, and now okay. Boise State has stretched out that lead, thirty four twenty eight. And, and just a quick follow-up on that. Uh, the winner of this game, who will they play next? They will play the winner of the other quarterfinal. Okay, there it is. John <laughs> Ramos, your Mountain West Conference insider. Nobody knows the Mountain West like John Ramos. Get him on Twitter, at JSRamos06. Lockout is ended. We are going to be talking some lockout, getting that information. Plus, in about uh, 45 minutes or so, we head to the Pacific Northwest, find out how the city of Seattle is doing following the trade of Russell Wilson 48 hours ago and what's next for the Seahawks. That and so much more. But before we do that, I want to let you know that you need to check out the latest lines from the world of sports at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Bet Rivers is the trusted name in online sports betting. Must be 21, must be present in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, and Pennsylvania to play. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER he is Aaron Torres get him on Twitter at Aaron underscore Torres you can find me Dan Byer on Twitter at Dan Byer on Fox coming up next what team in the National Football League has the worst situation when it comes to the quarterback position we tell you here on the Doug Gottlieb show on Fox Sports Radio be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern noon Pacific 
Do you want exclusive insight from the biggest names in the sports game? What's good? This is national champion and former pro baller Chris Johnson. And let me tell you a little bit about my new series, KJ Live. KJ Live is the only show featuring me going one-on-one with the brightest basketball minds on the planet to get the real. And when I say real, I mean that real. I got legendary Hall of Famers, elite coaches, and the top basketball insiders bringing you a unique perspective on all things hoops culture that you will not find anywhere else. To make your next move your best move and tap in with me on KJ Live, wherever you get your podcast from. Doug Gottlieb show at Fox Sports Radio. He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Byer sitting in for Doug. Uh, Baseball fans, they can't wait for baseball. It will be here in a month, April 7th, opening day. Tell you what, at the top of the hour, uh, Brian Fenley will give you the latest of what is happening. Brian's also going to join the show. Just give us some of the details that are happening out, uh, happening with baseball's agreement and, and whatnot. So, Brian, I'm prepping you for that. But right now, we need you to help us play a game. This is Game Time. It's Game Time. On the Doug Gottlieb Show. Check out the latest lines to the world of sports at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Bet Rivers is the trusted name in online sports betting. Must be 21, must be present in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, and Pennsylvania to play. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Brian, what game do we have today? The game is. <laughs> I feel a draft. All right. I know we usually do like two rounds in this. I think time's only going to allow us to do one round today. So give us the draft order, Brian, and what are we drafting today? So the topic is the worst quarterback situation in the NFL. We are going to go around the room, get everybody's take. And as far as the draft order, Ramos goes number one. So he is the Jacksonville Jaguar representative (laughs) of the show. And then Aaron, myself, Dan, and then Bershinger will go last because he probably does best in this. But yeah, Ramos, you are number one. I am number one, but I also will go number one in this draft. Oh, now he's cocky. Yeah. Everybody loved his Mountain West report. They getting did. Like rave reviews on yep. Twitter. Yes, it is. Um, I, I feel bad because I'm going to take a team that, that is Dan's favorite. I think it's the Seattle Seahawks. I oh, think. you jerk. What a, what a jerk. I'm sorry. Jerk Ramos. Oh, <laughs> That's what I think they call him on the Mountain West, too, by the way, just for the record. I think they're they are in the quarterback craziness right now. So I would say the Seahawks would be my number one pick. Oh, the Seahawks are off the board. Man, that that hurts. That really, really hurts. All right, so Um, I'm going to throw a curveball here at number two. First of all, I think I said earlier the Lions have the number one pick in the actual draft. My bad on that. It's obviously Jacksonville. I'm going to throw a complete curveball. With my pick, the worst quarterback situation, I will stay in the NFC West and say the San Francisco 49ers. And here's why. They have their guy. And they have to trade him to play the inferior guy. I, I'm sorry. Jimmy, Jimmy G just took you to an NFC Championship game. Uh, he's, whether he's a Colt, whether he's a Steeler, whatever. Um, I understand why these decisions have to be made. But I don't like the idea of trading a guy that you just got you to an NFC Championship game, no matter how injury prone he is, no matter how limited he is, things like that. Wow. The 49ers off the board at number two. 
Oh, man. All right, Fenley, what do you got at three? I'm going with the New York Giants because we're hearing reports, guys, that Mitch Trubisky might be added to the conversation. And if you ever got to go to Mitch Trubisky as a potential <laughs> starter going into a season, that's not good news. There might be a red flag there. Daniel Jones hasn't been playing very well. He's been with the team a couple years. So if Mitch gets involved, I think that that has to be one of the worst quarterback situations in the league. Can you do it in Chris Berman G-Men voice? Can you, uh, the G-Man? That was good. The G-Man. Oh, that was Sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, that's uh. Berman after a lot of scotch and cigars. <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, number four, I actually, I don't think it's close right now. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers have the worst quarterbacking situation. It wasn't good when Ben Roethlisberger was playing. Now that he's gone, it's gotten even worse. Worse, not worst, worse. I'm going with the Pittsburgh Steelers at number four. Oh, Bershinger, Ryan Bershinger, the show's executive producer. You could wrap this baby up. Um, this is an interesting pick for me, but I'm thinking actually the Carolina Panthers. And the reason why is because obviously the offense works through Christian McCaffrey, who continues to not be able to stay on the field. We saw last year that they had major struggles at quarterback and had to go to in plenty of different directions. Sometimes in same games, they had to go in different directions. And now you give them Ben McAdoo to try to <laughs> fix that quarterback situation. No, no, this is still a terrible situation. So I'm taking the Panthers here. That's game, huh? Game time. This is game time on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Can someone take this audio and send it to Jared Goff? Because I think he would love to hear it. (laughs) (laughs) It is the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Byer sitting in for Doug today. You can hit Aaron on Twitter at Aaron underscore Torres. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Byer on Fox. I know we're tight against it, Aaron, but do you feel relief baseball is back? I'm happy. I'm happy. You know, we'll see what happens with the uh, what the schedule looks like. But I think baseball needs to be back. I don't think they realize what canceling games would have done to them long term. Details of the lockout coming up next. Plus, what do the Seahawks do next without Russell Wilson? We'll talk about that here on Fox Sports Radio.